This is Vinyl Analysis. Yeah. We are, well. This is, we are recording live at Craft and Vinyl, 1806 West Fifth Avenue in Grandview. I want to thank the owner, Troy Stacy, for having us. I'm your host, Arch Madness. Along with me, he is the David Lee to my Roth, producer Greg Hansberry. Yeah, yo. What's up, brother? <laughs> we, we're taking this baby on the road, yeah, man. Yeah, here we are. Nice. This is nice. Drinking beer and flipping through records. It doesn't get any better. And, and the uh, the rose between two thorns that you see right here, he is one quarter night. Uh, we have a uh, we have another show that's, uh, that's uh, a part of this, and it's called The Knights of the Rock Table. And uh, the other night, which would have been a Knights of the Rock Table tonight, but uh, Kevin Young, uh, he's, uh, he's a drummer in a band called the Gypsy Kings here in town, and we love him to death, but his daughter is a senior this year, and she plays volleyball. Yep. So he Tuesday nights are not going to happen. If you, have a, knee pads. if you have a volleyball son or daughter, you know that Tuesday nights mm -hmm. are big in the, uh, the volleyball community. So uh, we have with us, he's one quarter night, he's the lead singer of Columbus's hottest rock band, Rock House. Give it up for Doug Blessing, ladies and gentlemen. All right, thank you. Thank you. Right on. Mm. So, you know, here's the deal. We usually start off with a segment called What's on Your Table. Now, what's on your table for the live audience here is what we are listening to now. It, it can be new, it can be old, it, it's just what you are digging on. You know how you get in a groove with like a, a certain album or a certain band? Well, that's, that's basically what what's on your table is. And, and producer Greg, how do you want to roll with this? Do you want to go first? Because yeah. I, I would love to know and, What's and, on my table? Yeah, well, that goes without <laughs> saying. But I, I want to throw this out there, that, that Greg is our, um, well, he's our millennial. And he is learning about the 80s rock scene, the Sunset Strip rock scene that, uh, that Doug and I grew up with. Right. So it's fun to see him listen to us and make fun of our music. <laughs> and it's also fun like to, to, to find out what Greg's listening to, because I'm telling you, he's such a hip cat, and his music tastes are so, so cool. Well, thanks. And, and, and you do a great job yeah. producing. Well, you know, so what you, what's you're on right, because I brother? listened to, to the 70s and 80s growing up on, on the radio, you know, after, mm -hmm. you know, in the, in the 90s and 2000s, so it's a different uh, whole different sure world. Hell I will is. say, in, in Greg's defense, even though he is a millennial, the last time that Archie and I sat in and did a vinyl analysis together, Greg had been listening to the White Album all week that week. That's right. So you know he's got good taste. He's got yeah. great taste. He's a huge Lou Reed fan. Yeah, dude. His dad, like myself, thinks that Richie Blackmore is, is the, the greatest, greatest guitar, guitar player of all time. And all you Hendrix fans can just suck on that because that's the way we feel. That's the way we feel. <laughs> but I'm sorry, Greg. No, all right. I'm going to back well, off. Okay, well, I'm going to back off, Greg. No, Go I'm for glad it. you said that because uh, my what's on my table selection kind of uh, plays off of that a little bit. So okay. when I was in high school, it was like 2000, 2001. And if you listen to the radio, it was in sync. <laughs> yeah. oh, uh, you know, uh, the Britney Spears. And then maybe if you got a little fringe, you maybe got some Dave Matthews, right? But then along came the strokes and I actually this is a shout out to Troy because I bought this record here the other yeah. day yeah <laughs> thank you Troy so I've been Good spinning score. the strokes but you hear you heard uh, the uh, 2001 strokes is this it and then you started hearing last night on the radio and your buddies were passing around burnt CDs with last night on it and I'm like holy shit 
rock and roll is alive and cool again. Thank God we don't have to hear another Justin Timberlake CD. Now, let me let me throw this out there because yeah. when I remember when the Strokes when this hit. Now, you said what year is this? This is this 2001. Is 2001. And, this and, is their and debut everybody record. and let's face it, the last movement not not our last movement. Yeah. Well, but hey, the last hey, movement. You had your last movement. Yeah, yeah that is. The air, thank you. And well. spray in the bathroom, <laughs> by the way. But the, the last movement, I mean, do we think it's the 90s with, with what happened out in the Pacific Northwest? I mean, as far as rock goes, I mean, you can say that the new metal thing there in the late 90s with your, your limp biscuits and yeah, your, and your yeah, corns and yeah. stuff. But I remember when the Strokes came out, and that was one of the first times I, I started hearing people say, well, this is going to be the next Nirvana. These are the guys that are going to save rock and roll. Well, and do, they, do you remember that? Yeah, that is kind of what the. And vibe I don't know was. if they saved rock and roll, but it was a it was a reminder that there's a their rock and roll is alive, and there's a cool scene going out in New York that is hip and cool and fun and doing new things, even though it was reinventing the wheel a little bit. That uh, you, it was the saving grace for everybody who was stuck with all the boy band pop stuff. You know what I remember about the Strokes, though? I remember their guitar player yeah. was, I believe, Albert Hammond Jr. Correct, And his yeah. father had that song about it raining and it never rains in Southern California. Oh, yeah. That was his old man. Right. I do remember okay. that. And I also remember that he dated Drew Barrymore. I'll say he was plowing Drew for which a little bit. Which was kind of hot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was kind of hot. Anyway, but thanks to Troy. I bought this here the last time I was here, and it's a, it's a fun listen. Their whole catalog is, is a lot of fun. I wouldn't so. go. No, don't go there. Now, now, yeah, exactly. See, Troy? Yeah. What's on your table, Archer? Are we going to go with Doug here? What do you okay. think? Oh, okay, right on. Uh, my record is from 1988 and it's the scorpions savage amusement if you could pass that over to me please love that now yeah. now this record now you got to remember yeah to show the back there because they all had that uh, they were all going with that designing women hair of the late 80s there. <laughs> if you can if you can see that but uh now the scorpions and this was actually the last record with their drummer uh that was uh, herman z german rare bell and if you want to get a good book Get, get Herman's book. I mean, that guy saw some things. He saw some <laughs> things in the 70s and the 80s, and he was a big lyricist for the Scorpions. Uh, he wrote the lyrics to like Rock You Like a Hurricane oh, yeah. and, and a few of the other songs that, that you guys might remember with him. Uh, the reason I like this record, uh, this record, and I've been, I've been, I always, I always kind of turn to it a couple times a year uh, because it, it was, um, some would say in the, in the music biz, it was kind of a flop. All right, but it was a different sound for the Scorpions. It was a more produced sound uh, from the Scorpions, and I think a lot of the bands from the late '80s and the early '90s from this genre uh, really used this record as kind of a uh, kind of a, a launch off as far as as that type of uh, that produced sound. I don't want to say overproduced, but it was it, 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 to a certain extent. It just didn't sound like Love at First Sting. Sure. Didn't sound like Blackout. It sounded different. Now, the, uh, the title, the, uh, I shouldn't say title track, but the first single was Rhythm of Love. Mm -hmm. I mean, that got some airplay on MTV. Uh, Don't Stop at the Top was the opening track, and that really still is one of my favorite, my, one of my favorite Scorpion songs. And then they had the ballad, uh, Believe in Love. Now, this album came out. It really didn't take off for them. Uh, you might remember a couple years after this, and I'm not really sure of the, of the, the year or the date on that, but uh, it was the one with Wind of Change. Mm -hmm. And that was when, you know, when the wall came down and, and, and all that stuff. And then, then, and then that just took off. They were bigger than, than, than David Hasselhoff yeah, in Germany, couldn't get which bigger. is hard to do. <laughs> it is hard to be bigger than Hasselhoff <laughs> in Germany. But a great sounding record. 
And uh, I'm just a huge Scorpions fan. And if, if, uh, if you have ever had a chance to see the Scorpions, Klaus Mina right there, uh, the lead singer for the Scorpions, all four foot eight of them, it really is, uh, in any genre, uh, one of the greatest rock singers ever, ever. And the dude is 70, and still he at it. still, still sounds at it. amazing. And trust me, some of the names you're going to hear tonight, they can't cut it anymore, vocally. What he does, yeah. he does, and and they still do the pyramid where where the you know where Matthias and and Rudolph will like they'll kind of bend down and then Klaus gets up on their knee you know gets up on their legs and, and anyway it was just kind of an eighties like cheerleading. Now yeah. well, it was it was yeah. a, okay yeah. fine. He it was uses a, a small ladder to get there. Uh, now. It was it's a, a cheerleading pyramid, but it was really cool. <laughs> it's a great record, and if you uh, it, it's kind of a forgotten Scorpions record, especially for the eighties too, because they yeah. like I said they had success. Uh, through the 80s, and they had success in the early 90s, but this was one that people kind of forget about. So uh, Savage Amusement is a record that you should check out. It's what, a what great Scorpions record. What? It was 1988, I think. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you it. what, Arch, I, wanna, I do want to just say a quick comment about sure, that. Because to be honest, of, I, I love the Scorpions catalog. That album right there is the one that sticks with me the most, and that's because it came out the year I graduated high school. Yeah. And that was when, you know, me and my buddies and everything we're driving around in the summertime with the windows down right we're on that, car uh, good call though that album came out and we had it on cassette and i remember me and my buddy mike thatcher mike if you're still out there i miss you man where are you Yo, mike. <laughs> <laughs> but me and my buddy mike thatcher the year we graduated high school we drove around in his mustang and that was the scorpions album that we played you and listen I, to the scorpions in a mustang my yeah man <laughs> that, you know that's yeah, uh great that's, right? that's a feeling you'll never know on a cassette feeling you'll never ever know what, what is on, uh, so there we go. That's what's on everybody's table. But, Doug, what do you have on yours? Well, I'll tell you, Greg, if you wouldn't mind handing me, I, I actually, uh, I, instead of my turntable, I wanted to bring you folks what is sitting on my night table. Um, and uh, we, yeah. Uh -huh. As Doug's wife laughs so in the background. Myself, it's a book. <laughs> myself and my compadre, uh, Arch Madness, along with my lovely wife, Renee, who's sitting across the room, went and saw Brett Michaels and Lita Ford uh, just a few weeks ago um, at the... Uh, Zucchini Festival in Obets, or as Brett Michaels likes to call it, to escape being associated with a vegetable festival, the Z, the Z Fest, the, the Z, Z Fest. Fest, right? They called it the Z but, Fest. But uh, I, uh, I picked up Lita Ford's book uh, the following week because I'd never read it, and um, I thought it was appropriate leading into this podcast because I knew we were going to do uh, Wasp, and Lita Ford was was married to uh, Chris, Holmes Chris Holmes from Wasp yeah. for a while, uh, and okay. uh, yeah, so I tied it in a little bit. But uh, does I, she um, talk about it? She does. She does actually quite a bit. And uh, if, you're, if you're a fan of rock and roll music as a whole, I, I, I personally am a, a big fan of, of, of autobiographies from rock stars because they all have this incredible story to tell. It's the same story told a million different ways, the drugs, the sex, the traveling across the country, losing it all, getting it all back. But it's so great to hear from everybody's perspective. This was the first autobiography I'd written, uh, written sorry, you read. Wrote it. You wrote it. Wow. I read. No, read. Okay, Lita. Read, read you don't and look wrote. Like that Lita. is awesome. First one I had read by a female rock star, uh, strangely enough, and Lita Ford has quite an interesting story to tell, and uh, I really enjoyed it. And I, I actually uh, took it on vacation with me a couple weeks ago, and uh, and and finished it in, in about a week. And uh, there's a lot of great stuff in here. It ties back into the band Wasp we're talking about tonight, along with her other tumultuous relationships we've had. She she holds nothing back with her sexual exploits with people like John Bon Jovi and uh, Richie Sambora, and the list goes on and on and At on. At the same time? Yes, that's, ah. well, that's, it's, it's all right here in these deep, dark pages, Mr. Hansberry. It, 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 it's a gray right there. And let's just say this. I mean, everyone, you always talk about, and of course she was you know, with the runaways and stuff, and everyone kind of, 
and rightfully so, hails Joan Chet. Mm -hmm. All right, I get that. And, and the Chrissy Hines of the world. And you talk about the women of rock. But I'm telling you, Lita Ford is one of the best goddamn guitar players to yeah. ever put the axe on. Cool. And, and she is, she is, she's phenomenal. And, and she's had it hard, man. She's yeah. had it hard. She, and, you know, it's quite the, a story. the relationship with Tony Iommi, she was with, let's, let's think about this. So when she first came onto the scene, uh, she was with uh, Nikki Six. And Nikki Six at that time, I want to say, was still in London at that time, the band London. This was before Motley Crue. Mm -hmm. uh, she was with Lemmy Kilmeister. She dated him. Uh, which, she, which, strangely enough, she doesn't. She just barely touches on that. Which actually, that was one of the things I was interested. The, I'm like, how in the world did she end up with Lemmy Kilmeister? Yeah, she doesn't the, go into that much. The Tony Iommi relationship uh, yeah. was horrid. It was, it was awful, just absolutely yeah. horrible. And and then I actually got to meet Lita, and this has been between ten and fifteen years ago. Uh, she came in. Uh, she was I forget who she was opening up for, but she was with the dude from Nitro, and that also was a Jim really Gillette. really Jim Gillette. And he yep. was a turd. Yeah, absolutely. And an absolute, just a yeah. horrible, horrible <laughs> relationship yeah. that she was in. It's pretty, She's it's been pretty disturbing, actually, to read and, what goes on in that yeah. book. And she doesn't go into detail because they, sh they have two children together. And she respectfully has a paragraph where she says, I won't go into detail because of the love for my children. But her relationship with Jim Gillette is, is nothing short of disturbing. Uh, she is, once again, one of the best heavy metal guitar players ever. So, and, mm -hmm. and so that's awesome, man. And, and, it's killer, and, and yeah. she had the uh, the BC Rich out. Did you see her? She brought oh yeah, she absolutely. brought the guitar out uh, uh, when they did uh, when she did uh, Cherry uh, Cherry Bomb Cherry, cherry Bomb. bomb. Yeah. She did Cherry Bomb. She brought her guitar out that she played with in the Runaways, uh, Back to the Cave. Still yeah. one of my favorite one songs from from the era. And uh, she's she's just a, she's an amazing person and just a hell of a guitar. But if player. you're a fan, uh, right on of, of rock and roll at all, or I mean, because there's so many rock musicians of the last 25, well, let's just say from seven from the 1970s up through the 90s that are mentioned in this book. A lot of people that I'm uh, interested in, she had uh, close relationships with, whether it was just being friends with, touring with, whatever. A lot of she she doesn't hold back on mentioning names, and it's a great great read and a very very interesting what's, uh, story. What's Troy having? Yeah, and for a mere yeah, twenty dollars, yeah. you can buy a, a mint condition uh, time capsule. Troy, your your catalog continues to impress uh -huh. me. It is, man. It really is. And, and, and Troy has something for everybody, the classic rockers, uh, the old schoolers, and, and quite honestly, right your there. 80s metal collection is as good as anybody's in town, man. It really is. It's, it's, it's solid. It really is solid. So speaking of 80s metal, before we even get into tonight's uh, uh, main album, and that's the problem uh, with this show. It's not a problem, but it's the, kind of the way it, we, we do it. And sometimes it's... We the, hardly even get to the podcast, damn record. It's uh, a podcast with we, we just, a Kevin, record, I, not I, about the record. We hardly get to it. We hardly get to it. So now here we go. What, how long ago was this, Doug? Was this three weeks ago? Uh, when we went to the concert? Yes. Yeah. I'm talking. Okay. Mm -hmm. So uh, here's the thing, and I want to do this through Doug's eyes because in the last podcast, I brought it up, and we had just gotten kicked out of this hotel room in Dayton as a 47-year-old, <laughs> which was very rock and roll. Very <laughs> Very yeah. rock and roll. I hadn't been kicked out since like prom. It was his bucket list. That was like uh, the last time. Uh, that was '89. Make mention that we were dropped off there in a limousine. Arch. We were Don't dropped leave that off part out. in a limousine. We, it was the pimp status was was <laughs> off the charts. So we went to Dayton. We went to Dayton to go see. It was Dokken, Warrant, and Dee Snyder of Twisted Sister. Okay. So we go to this show. Afterwards. Now, what was the name of the hotel? And I'm going to let you take it over because I could not remember the name of the it hotel. It was the, uh, the Spring Hill Suites. The Spring Hill okay. Suites. Yep. So we go to the Spring Hill Suites. This, we were staying at the Marriott, but we had friends there. And we got kicked out of their room. So we're sitting outside. 
Doug, take over. We're, we're getting ready to call an Uber. We haven't even yeah. done, we haven't called the Uber we, yet. We were sitting outside uh, because we still had beers to finish, and uh, we're staying there just <laughs> chit-chatting, and out walks Don Dockin mm-hmm. to have a smoke. Comes out the yeah. front door of the hotel at around 12.30 at night, I'll oh. estimate. Um, and uh, I had he, it at two, so there you go. He this comes outside to have a smoke, and Archie and I lit up like little kids on Christmas. Like, my God, it's, it, it's, it's actually Don Dock, and he just plopped down in a lawn chair right behind us. And he was with us. a girl half his age. Yeah, he was, just like you'd yeah. expect him to be. To Don Dock, and good for him. And uh, I will say that uh, it, took, uh, it took us, we, uh, those of you that are, that are 80s rock fans know that Don Dock and has a reputation for being uh, a bit moody. You've heard that he can be a little volatile at times. Um, so we didn't immediately approach him and uh, we kind of kind of backed our way over closer to him to where we were able to engage with him. And uh, as it turned out, he could not have been more cordial and we ended up having a really, really cool conversation with him and, and uh, a lot of uh, a lot of stuff that we wanted to know about, you know. He was blown away by our Dawkins. Yeah, we, we knew. We, he Dockin, really was. Yeah. Maybe you might think creeped out, <laughs> but we're saying blown away. Yeah, I we're used to wear a, a, a Rockin' with Dawkins t-shirt to school that I won in a balloon game at the fair. Okay, so I, so I was like, you know, I was so thrilled to stand there and talk to this guy that I, that I idolized. And uh, he was extremely cool with us. And we got to ask him a lot of really deep stuff about his opinion of where they were in their careers back when they were, you know, um, during the first four albums and then leading into the live album that uh, um, ended up being around the time they broke up. And he was very forthcoming about all the, all the questions we asked. Very cool. And uh, it was Can great, it? man. It was magical. Can I do it? Please Can I do, do it now? Please. So here's the deal. So we're talking to Don Dawkins, and he's the one that kind of brought up the breakup, mm-hmm. if you will, the breakup of Dawkins. And this would have been late 80s. So 88, 89, 90 was when it was really, they were, they were breaking up. And I said to him, and you got to remember, Don's sitting there, and he is... He kind of smokes a cigarette, and he's got one of those, he's got a long one. I don't know if it was, I, I'm not hip to cigarettes. This, yeah. Right-handed ones anyway. So I'm not sure exactly w- how it is, but he kind of smoked it like a 1920s actress. He, he, he kind of, like with his, like Nana flat smokes palm. it, like flat-palmed it, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> and he's smoking like this, and he's like, and he's blowing it out. So I say to him, I said, when you guys did Walk Away and you made that video, I said, Don, this would have been like 89, 90, uh, mm-hmm. when, it, when it was released. Right. I said, Don, I knew it was over right then. He takes it. This is it. So here's Don Dockin. I'm going to do it for the people here. So here's Don Dockin. He goes, he goes, he goes, it was over long before that, boys. <laughs> <laughs> and like, Doug and I are like, like hitting oh, each other. We're like, it was magical. Fucking, did that just happen, man? So magical. Yeah. Don, he's, and I swear to God, I never will forget that moment. He was just like, it was over way before that, boys. <laughs> yeah. And who are we to say? Yeah, I'm not exactly. going to tell Don like, that he was It was like Clark old. Gable, you know, sitting there talking. And about we, should, we should also mention that during this conversation, the female that Don was with, she had left. All right? So that's kind of how we, as I remember it, kind of got over. Because when she came back out, we removed ourselves from the situation. Him. We're not going to uh-huh. see Block. Don Dockin. That's not happening. Yeah. And we didn't do it. No, so, we didn't. But anyway, that is our Don Dockin story. Yeah, I, want you, I want to mention one thing to Troy. Uh, Troy, obviously, I just, I just uh, decided to purchase uh, Troy's, from his personal archives, uh, Dawkins back for the attack on vinyl when I saw it there tonight because I do not own that. 
So, so Troy, I, I wanted to ask Don, uh, Don Doc, and I said, hey, when did you feel like you guys were at your, at oh, your peak? Oh, this is great, yeah. You know, because to me, right, to me, back for the attack. Nope, nope. no, no. For, and I for, say under lock and key. Arch, Ar, for yeah. Arch, it was under lock and key. For me, it was back for the yeah. attack. Yeah, it's cool, Troy. And, it's um, cool. Don was cool with it, Troy. Yeah. Listen to this. So this is great. So, but I was, I'm so glad I thought of this From question because his here. answer was like, it, it was something that we were able to ponder. And I, obviously, we're still pondering it because I still think about it. I think he was right, though. He but, was. But he said we were at our peak when we were releasing Tooth and Nail because and we nail. knew if it didn't hit that it was over. He said they were so hungry. Yeah, they, and, that's and when they we wanted were. it the most. Yeah, yep. and, and, and I get it. The back for the attack, guys, I, I understand that. Production-wise and just, I mean, they went out in, in a blaze of glory. Mm -hmm. I, I get that. That's a great record. But it's just the way, it, if you're going to go from tooth and nail to under lock and key, I mean, that sonically, it was just different. They were on another level at that point. And that's what we were trying to convey to Don. Mm -hmm. And then I think it was something like this. It was something like this, Troy. No, 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 no. He goes, we were hungrier. Right. We were younger. We were hungrier. And it was just cool to hear Don talk right. to us. And, and you know what? I had always sided with George Lynch. But after that night, bro, Team Don Dawkins. Yeah, Team Don Dawkins. And Don Troy, Dawkin. I'll tell you, and I, I, think I, I, can, I think you and I are on the same level. Back for the Attack is the album that took me from being a casual fan to a fanatic of Dokken. Yeah. Back for the Attack is it took me from owning it to going and wanting to see them in concert and buying the t-shirts and wanting to get a, a jean jacket made with that airbrushed on the back. Uh, it was a whole you different level. All right, all right, jacket. all right, Troy, yeah, we're not done yet. Under Lock and Key was huge for me. I get the job at QFM 96. This is the late 90s. And my boss, Charlie Lake, who I've told before, was the manager of Men at Work through the 80s. All right. Little. The Men at Work, yeah. Right, drop. right. <laughs> the Men at Work, thank you. And he's like, look, Archie, we're going to put you on overnights. All right? Back in the day, that was huge. You were just, I was on. I was on QFM at that point. I was stoked. And he said, look, here's the deal. As far as your bonus structure, okay, we don't really have any money. That was my first welcome into radio. Yeah. <laughs> You're, we don't ha really have a bonus structure, per se. He goes, so I'm trying to think of something that we can do for you. And I said, well, that under lock and key gold record that you have in your yeah, possession, yes, yes, in yes. your studio, if I hit the numbers you want me to hit, I want that damn record off your wall, man. And he goes, it's done. Within a year, guess who has yeah, that oh, under lock yeah, and key Archie. record? So sweet. So sweet. I had. Here so and here's the deal. Later. And, home. Yeah, home. yeah. And the wife and I, who just cel we just celebrated our 22nd anniversary, and I want to tell you, every place we have moved to, that docking record has come with us, and she is absolutely over docking. She hates it. I put it in every main room. I do not give a flying shit. I love that record. And the cool thing is, it's not even a disc. It's a gold record and a gold cassette. I love it. I love it. And I guess that album actually did go platinum. But this was made, this is the first batch, and it says, you know, to QFM 96. I'll take a picture of it. Yeah. We've got to put it up on our, bring our, it in. On our Instagram. It it's it's phenomenal. Story. All That's right, boys. Here, boys and girls, here we go. Is it time? It's time. I, I, I think we're going to talk about tonight's focus record. I hope so. So here we go. Wasp's 1984 debut album, self-titled. 
All right, this album was in the Filthy 15. And if you grew up in the 80s, you remember the PMRC that Tipper mm-hmm. Gore, remember, remember the PMRC? Oh, and, God. Right, exactly. And that was the Parents Music Resource Center. Okay, this is the fight we fought for you so the Strokes could make a fucking album. Are you ready? <laughs> so here's the deal. We, t- we did this. Exactly. You. Thank you're, you. Yes. Yeah, you're, okay. Thank you. For you're your welcome. generations. Yes. You're welcome. Thank you. You're welcome. So and it was this, the Filthy ever. 15, and there was a song that was supposed to be the lead song on this record, and it was called Fuck Like a Beast. This record probably wasn't even going to see print. They took that song off of it, and that is the record we have here today. There were four singles released, Love Machine, Sleeping in the Fire, I Want to Be Somebody, and School Days, Doug Blessing if you could. And I should also mention that the Spotify playlist is a nice accompaniment to Vinyl Analysis episodes. Search for Archie Vinyl Analysis. At QFM96.com, we'll do a a playlist, a Spotify playlist. It's a pairing. It's like a fine wine or a fine craft beer. So for those of you that remember when this album came out, we're we're 1984. So for me, I was uh, 13-ish. That's me too, brother. When it came out. And um, so I was in the throes of Rat, Motley Crue, Van Halen, Def Leppard, um, and uh, so this album to me, what I remember most about this album when it came out is that it scared the shit out of me, quite honestly. <laughs> so I was one of the kids that had, you know, I had friends that had older brothers and they were listening to Wasp while we were listening to Def Leppard. So when you walk in, you know, my bedroom was David Lee Roth and, you know, I had, you know, Vince Neil and whatever. And I remember going in my buddy's, uh, go over to my buddy's house and we went in his older brother's room who was like, 19, 20 years old, and he had a, a huge poster of Blackie Lawless over his bed, holding a, a skull dripping <laughs> yeah. blood, yeah. and he was, you know, climbing over, you know, bones and everything like that, and we're like, whoa, man, you know, like, it, it was a lot to accept as a 13-year-old that you could, uh, what, what Motley Crue was doing, to listen to an album that led off with a song called Shout at the Devil, when you were 13 years old. So this album scared the, it literally scared the shit out of me when I was, I mean, I'm looking at what in the world is this? Man, this guy's, you know, he's shooting flames out of his cod piece and they're, you know, they're eating out of <laughs> Go human, on. They're eating out yeah. of human skulls. And they've got an album, you know, they've got a song called Fuck Like a Beast. I mean, what is Jesus, this all there about? There are kids here, Doug. I, I'm trying so, to whisper that So we were, we were trying, you know, me and, the bar. me and my, my heavy metal yeah, buddies dude. that all lived on the cul-de-sac at Bluebird Court, we're still trying to figure out what Iron Maiden was. And whether or not we we were gonna we whether or not it was cool to listen to Ozzy's album called Speak of the Devil, you know his live album, and then this thing comes out, and we're all like, whoa, you know. So it was like it was like the cool older brothers had this. When I was 13 years old, your buddy's cool older brother was listening to Wasp, and uh, and and, it, and you had to like, man, the imagery was just like so in your face for what was out at that time. You know, we're talking. This was when like Quiet Riot, uh, Def Leppard's Pyromania. Um, Van Halen's Diver Down and Motley Crue's Shout the Devil were probably, and back and Out of the Cellar by Rat were probably the biggest albums out there from a rock perspective. Well, but, but you mentioned Ozzy because this is Bark at the Moon era, and Ozzy's yeah, doing that. Bark at the Moon as that, well, you're that right. Shit. But, so, but Blackie, Blackie took it to another level. Okay. Blackie took it, and in fact, Nikki Six from Motley Crue learned how to light his body on fire from Blackie. They were in a band <laughs> together called London. They were also in a band, I think, called Sis. Uh, I, I'm trying to think of They were in Burnett. another. There was another band that they were in before uh, they even formed London, and then he went off and formed Wasp. Oh, here we go. That's my favorite oh, Ozzy album. Yeah. That's my favorite. Every, hey, well documented. I'm a Jakey e. Lee guy, and I don't even care. 
You like Ultimate Sin more than Bark at the Moon? Yes, I do. Bark at the Moon but, but had so, too many synthesizers. So Ozzy's starting to do Bark this. Bark the Moon had too many synthesizers. Devilly theatrical Bark stuff. Bark at the Moon or Ultimate Sin? Which one you like better? Ultimate Sin. Ultimate Sin. Ultimate Sin. Jake. Jake. Yeah. <laughs> While Ozzy it. is in I Betty Ford, Jake's taking care of business. See, and a lot of people are saying this. That was a gateway. So you, this is a great record. You got to remember, Ozzy took Metallica out on the road during the Master of Puppets oh, uh, yeah. record uh, during this tour. You, uh, and 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 back to Black and, and Blackie Lawless really doesn't get his due here, guys, because uh, he he took from the book of Gene Simmons. He took from the book of Alice Cooper. But he took it. He, it was another level. It was another level. And, and look, I'm, this is going to sound sacrilege, but there is there is no Marilyn Manson, kids. If it wasn't for Blackie Lawless and what he did, that that's the honest to God's truth. And, and Blackie Lawless is also one of the best voices from the era. You know, as much as this looks insane to everyone, Blackie Lawless. And if you ever get a chance to see them live, I doubt if he's ever coming to America again. But but they are. In fact, a lot of people call him Blackie Flawless because when you when you hear them live, it sounds exactly like the record. Blackie Lawless was a big, big part vocally. Yeah, you had the visual and you had all that stuff, but like Alice Cooper and like Kiss, you had to go through all that shit to get to the good music that these mm -hmm. guys were writing. Yeah. And, and I think Blackie is, is in that same realm. Now, I remember a 1984, uh, it was a magazine cover. Mm. And listen, we didn't have the internet. I'm looking at you down there, Strokes. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> we didn't, we <laughs> didn't have the internet. What? We I'm did, <laughs> Circus, circus, hip parade. I was distracted. Well, now, now also there was a there was a magazine. I know where you're and, going and with this. There was a magazine, and it was called Kerrang, and it was the 1984 Kerrang. Okay, that is the one where Blackie Lawless is drinking blood out of a skull. <laughs> okay, it. so let me just rewind to a young man, 13 years old, in Marietta, Ohio, whose dad was a World War II vet. <laughs> That, that shit did not fly, man, at all. That was the first time where my dad was like, really, bud? Really? That's, 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 that's where we're at here? That's, that's, what, that's what's happening. This is my, what my learnings have brought to seriously, you. Seriously, yes. I raised you on Hank Williams Sr. Yeah, and you're listening and you're to this? You're, this dude is drinking blood out of a skull, and that's entertainment to you? But it was all the visuals with, with Wasp. And, and really, totally. Blackie is, his vocals are some of the best. There it is. 80. Some of the best. Oh, yeah, great picture, man. Great picture. Yeah, great picture, yep. man. Scary looking guy. He really yeah. was. He was terrifying. He was terrifying. So he's, still, he's still scary looking. Yeah. I'd like to say, just yep. take a break for our listeners. We, we're having a lot of participation from the audience, which I love. We're recording this podcast from Craft and Vinyl, a brand new uh, shop here, Space, opened up in Grandview. Records, a, a, a beer counter. Oh, they have a recording studio here. This place is awesome. Thanks for letting us uh, take over the space. You know, hey, thank you, Troy. Once again, thank Troy. you, Troy. And I think uh, towards the end of this, and we are we are rounding third. Let's get Troy up here and and, and kind of just pick his brain as far as uh, what he's got going on here because this is an amazing, yeah, an amazing site and a great venue that he has. Let's go ahead and open your mic up, Greg. Does anybody have? Does anybody want to come? We're, let's let's open this up to crowd participation. If there's anything you want to say, I know we got we got some metalheads here. Jorge, Kevin, well, I see some I'd of my like friends. to start off by saying that the, Troy, uh, yes, this the, is the owner, ladies. So give it up for Troy. Yeah, Troy, Troy babe. Yeah, Troy. Troy Stacy, ladies and gentlemen. That's weird, but okay. Um, <laughs> I'm wondering why the microphone smells like weed. <clears throat> 
Well, I'm kidding. <laughs> they all look at me. That's fine. Right. That's I'm just fine. curious. Just curious. What did Wasp mean to you, Troy? Dude, here's what Wasp was to me. And I'm going to date myself here, but I had a 1973 Monte Carlo, right? A little oh, Kenwood. Back to the cars, man. Badass Kenwood stereo. Pair of six by nines that were lit like 100 watts, you know, on either side. And the album we're talking about tonight, oh my God. Hello, V. You know, love machine. Yeah, dude. (laughs) Crazy, right? Which, by the way, one reason I, I like want to be record, somebody. I'm sorry, it, it helped, but help me learn how to spell. It was very, they're very good. Yeah. So it was a lesson. <laughs> he taught people. Blackie taught people. He was. I think it he was did. a lesson for us all. And I want to be somebody. Let me tell you, man. That's an album that, at my age, when this record came out, it meant something to me because it made me realize that there were a bunch of us that were feeling like, damn, I want to be somebody. I'm, I'm here, and I'm built to be somebody. And I guess it was profound looking back on it, you know, and that's probably why that album has stuck with me all these years, you know. Um, the songs were good, Troy. They were the produced were incredibly. The lyrics were poignant. Yeah. The, I mean, the way that the band came together and constructed songs was like fucking badass, you know. And, and this is another one of those bands, yeah. especially if you want to say it's an L.A. band or something like that. The, those first records that these bands made, these are the ones that they worked on, they practiced, they, they honed their mm-hmm. skills on the Sunset Strip. These, these first records, trust me, as much as, as anybody wants to talk about Dr. Feelgood and any other shit that Motley Crue did, those first two records, those are, those are amazing. And that first record, Too Fast for Love, that's oh, dude, damn near sick. a punk record, kids. Sick, and I, and that's, I know that sounds sacrilegious to say, but it's true. You take every band... Just like we were talking about, uh, we were talking about this at work the other day. The guys were like, I didn't understand that Poison's first record, Look What the Cat Dragged In, that's a raw record. That's a, um, the, the title track, Look What the that's Cat right Dragged In. That's right over your in. shoulder, bro, just that's, so you that's know. As, that's, as heavy, that's as heavy as anything else rock. that came from that era. The Wall era. of Sound. And that first Wasp record, and any of, of, of the Wasp records, is such an atmospheric thing. Their, their records sounded different. And I'm not trying to wax poetically because we're talking about it tonight. It's the honest to God's truth. Their sound was different. And it was really, really cool. They came and into the space and moved people. They and really a did, A testament man. to that is that here we are talking about it. Yes, you and know, of course they, they threw raw meat out into the crowd. I get that. <laughs> they drank blood out of a skull. Who doesn't? I get Who that. doesn't? But it's the same thing as we're talking about like when we brought up Alice Cooper. I think what, when Alice was taking off, the band itself, those were great songs. And when songwriters from that era started agree, talking man. to Alice and saying, man, your music's really good. When John Lennon comes up to you and says, man, Alice, I, I get it. You're a great songwriter. That, that means something. I, I think a lot of times you do the shock thing so people notice you. But underneath all that, there's got to be some talent or you're not going to last. And I'm not comparing yeah, Blackie. Agree, I'm not comparing Blackie to what Kiss did. I'm not comparing Blackie to what Alice Cooper did. But his role in this, in the shock rock era, as far as those bands that we consider, and I brought up Marilyn Manson, but there's been other ones. You look at Ghost now. There's yep. all these other bands yep. that are that they're riding. The image, they're riding on the slipstream of this band. Absolutely, and you see that whether image they first. know it or not. The yeah. image is what you see first. Uh, we should also mention that this record. Uh, yes, they remastered and they re-released it, and I want to say like 98. 
And that's the reason I brought the CD with me. Oh, look, Greg, it's a CD. There it is, there it oh, is. Oh, I'm sorry it's not an MP3 for you to look at. But, but these, this, they remastered this, and they added, where's our little guy at? They added Fuck Like a Beast on there. And then they did a, uh, they do that Rolling Stones cover Paint and Paint It, it black. black. I was going to bring that up, dude. It, it makes the Rolling Stones song version just look like a pop number. I'm it's just so saying. Cool. And, and how dark, how dark is Paint It Black from the Rolling Stones? That's a dark song. That's one of, it's, and it's one of everybody's favorite Rolling Stones songs because it's dark. There's no way Paul and John were going to write a song like that. That was what the Rolling Stones did. They gave you that dark element. And that is exactly why Blackie's version of that song sounds so haunting. It makes it creepier than the original song. And the original song is creepy. It's because they have those visual, you know, shocking elements to them as well. Yeah. I I think as as crazy and shocking as the band looked, man, the, the reason we're all talking about it today is because the sonic delivery of that band was uncompromised through the songwriting, through... Um, the collaboration of all the artists involved, and then just the recording process of that—you can tell, like, flawless, lawless. Yeah, man, that's he him. was that's militant Blackie. in the studio, and I think mm-hmm. that's why we have an album right here today. We're talking about that's great stuff, oh, man. That's great. That's a w- great way to put it, Troy. Yeah, awesome. Is there anything you want to throw onto this record, anyone, anyone? Because I want to talk to Troy about his uh, his uh, his store here, and I've I, got I've got some for Hansberry. Oh do you oh mind if I God. do this? Check this out, because in fact, Troy was asking. He's like. Why do you guys yeah. have a Shell Silverstein book? So, so here's what I, w- I want to make Check a, a point out, here. Check this out, I'm going to let this happen. Yeah, I want to make a point here because, All right. as I mentioned, the imagery of this album was incredibly powerful. And for those of you that remember the 80s, from, uh, the music from the 80s, Barely. everything was image-related. <laughs> it was all, well, I don't care if you like Duran Duran or, you know, or if you like Motley Crue or, or whoever. It yeah. was the image was everything, you know. Nowadays, you you know, with the accessibility of music and everything, you don't even get to see who, what a lot of these people look like. But the look was everything. And when this album came out, as I mentioned, it, it was so the imagery was so powerful, and it, there was no way that they were going to get a radio hit out of this. But take a band like Twisted Sister that had their big breakthrough with the album Stay Hungry. They were no crazier looking than, the, than these guys. There was just no blood. You know, and there was no like, you know, torture involved. It was more cartoonish. It was more yeah, cartoonish more and a little more drag related than it was, you know, what Wasp was doing. No different, really. But the imagery was so powerful. So, Mr. Hansberry. All right. <laughs> yeah. I know. Here we I are. know that you are a, uh, um, you know, you're, we, we, we're bringing you into this realm yes, of the 80s you. music uh-huh. and educating you. So, uh, Wasp, when I, I look back at Wasp lyrics and okay. like the lyrics are not nearly as scandalous as you would think they would be. The image was very scandalous. Um, I mean, Archie and I were talking earlier, like there's a lot of albums and songs from bands of this era that where the lyrics are much, much more provocative than Wasp lyrics were. It's just because of their image and the, and the costumes and the blood and the skulls that they got put into this category of being as, as controversial as they were. So what I have done, Mr. Hansberry, is I, I thought to myself uh, reading over Wasp lyrics, oh, like great. at sometimes they're almost childlike and whimsical in the style of our good friend Shel Silverstein, Shel Sil- who we all remember from our childhood. He was a musician as well. So what yeah. I have done here is I have put together some Wasp lyrics, all right. as okay. well as some Shel Silverstein <laughs> yeah, passages from some of his famous poems. Do I get a drink? Is this a drinking game? It, at least? Might, it could be. Can I try my? So I'm going to read these Ohio. off to you, and you tell me: Is this Blackie Lawless, okay, or Shel Silverstein? Oh God! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Can Douglas. I ask an audience this member, is great, Mr. Hansberry? This is hilarious. We'll start off with this All one. All right, okay. Oh, great. No teacher 
Preacher, parent, friend, no wise man can decide what's right for you. Just listen to the voice that speaks inside. Oh gosh, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go all in on Blackie on that one. That would be Shel Silverstein oh. from the poem The Voice. See, I was trying to be uh, give him some some next uh, up some credit. All right, number two. For if it is the music that found me, I'd be witch cast like the rest. The town grows old around me. I can't say I didn't hear the sound so haunting hollow. Uh, Blackie. That would be Shel Silverstein no! from the poem. Thank you. The yeah. one who stayed. Yeah. <laughs> Next up. Right. Fuck like okay. a beast, Greg. Yeah. Who did that? Can you just say who fuck like that? a beast? Yeah. And I'll know who that one is. Next up. Can you spell out L O V E? <laughs> I'll know who did that one. Be careful now, because what you wish for may just come true if you look behind the door. All right, well, I'm going to change my bet and say Silverstein, and it's going to be Blackie. That would be Blackie no! Wallace. Oh, I'm over three. From the song Mantronic. Mantronic? Hey, I'm no Mantronic. math magician, but you're <laughs> over three, bro. <laughs> and last, last but not like least. It's like Russell Wilson. Oh, oh. <laughs> I, oh my. <laughs> Those are fighting. He, All right. He just you can say whatever you want about just Blackie. Got this is, yeah, this is he not a sports talk show, All right, Hansberry. Okay. All right. Last up. Dick. Archie's a... Uh, I can't uh, wait another day. Dick. Tell me no lies. I'm standing cold in the light. I lose the dream. Oh, that's Blackie. That is Blackie yeah. from the song Cries in the Night. Yes. All right. So there you go. Whimsical at times, almost childlike. Blackie Lawless. Very cool. Thank you for that quiz. I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry I failed You're it. welcome, sir. <laughs> All right. So you know what? Before we... Uh, I want uh, And Troy, I want to talk to you one more time before we scoot. But before we're done here... the best. <laughs> before we're done here, you got a song? You got a favorite song? Doug, off, off, this off of this album, um, I got, I'm gonna. I'll tell you what. I'm gonna go with Troy because I I love Steve Riley's drums, especially on the Live in the Raw album uh, version of I Want to Be. Somebody. I know that records. You love yeah. Live in the Raw. Live in the Raw. One of That's my one of your favorites. Favorite albums, but I Want to Be Somebody. I got, I know. I mean, it was the biggest quote unquote single they had off this, arguably. But I love the song. I, I want to be somebody. I love the fact that Riley is just killing the drums after every single line love, of the song. I love Steve, man. This for me, this whole album, top to bottom, just it resonated with me at that period in my life. But for some reason, you know, as many people that age, 14, 15 years old, they're seeking to have this feeling of belonging. And when I heard Blackie say, "I want to be somebody," it was like, "Damn!" In my heart, me too, bro. You know. And that album sticks with me because of that. It really does. Yeah, man. It's a yeah, yeah. All right. And I I know you two are tugging at the heartstrings, but Tormentor is my favorite song (laughs) off this record. I love. I and here's the thing. I've seen. I've been lucky enough to see Wasp uh, three times. Should have seen him five times because. And if anybody knows, if anybody has followed this band and tried to see him. Um, I mean, even Axl Rose thinks that Blackie is difficult. Let me just say that. As far as showing that's, up for a that's gig. That's bad. That's bad there news. There was two, two in particular gigs I remember that Blackie did not, he didn't show up. And that was just something we dealt with. He's, he's very moody. He's a perfectionist. I know, he's an artiste, if you will. But uh, there were two times that I didn't get to see him. Uh, but I remember hearing Tormentor live. And I was, and I know this is creepy, because of the the song and its lyrics, but I was 13 all over again. And I I, I never will forget that. I saw him at the Al Rosa Villa, still one of the all-time greatest venues. Mm -hmm. And uh, I saw him, and and this would would have been early 90s, early to mid-90s, 
because uh, uh, Chris had Holmes had just come back into the into the fold. So I want it might have been 95, 96, and it was the visuals that once again before we we get into closing here, the visuals that Wasp uses. I remember at the Al Rosa Villa. They had these old, like, 1970s, like, Zenith TVs, okay? And this is, and let's just throw Rob Zombie on the list because he has drank at the trough yeah, yep. of Blackie Lawless. Yeah, still. So, so, so he's got these old, like, 70s TVs, and they're playing 1950s horror movies on them. And there's this dry, the, the dry ice starts going, uh, yeah. right? And if you've ever seen this, this microphone that Blackie plays on or sings on and uses, and I say play on because that's exactly what he does. And there was always this myth and there was always this urban legend. That, well, the reason Blackie canceled is because that, that microphone, this thing won't fit. This thing's like a two-ton, uh, it's, like <laughs> it's almost like a, a Harley, right, because he rides it back and forth and it's a naked woman all right I th- i'm just going to throw that out there it's a naked woman the kids, Sorry, Troy. The kids at the it's bar not, this is not that kind it. of a, yeah it's not that kind of establishment but 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 it's just this this big giant you guys know what i'm talking about it's that microphone that he has and he was able to get that in the al rosa because that was the big talk that he's not going to get it in there he's not going to be it's too it's he's just going to play on a red but that thing that was the first time i saw it he had the dry ice going and it was just, it was to the point where I was almost in tears because I was like, this is every, this yeah, is this is 13-year-old yeah. Archie. We've all had those And moments. he is in heaven right now. So anyway, one of the, and still, top five show I've ever seen in my life was that Al Rosa show with Blackie Lawless. So, back to you. Yes, go ahead, Wait, For the record, my favorite song off this record I is School it. Days. Yeah, man. Uh, because I love the uh, Alice Cooper vibe with the uh, the kid doing the pledge. Yeah, the kid's doing the know, pledge that's of allegiance. All, that's why I get a kick it's, out that's of that a, shit. That's, I like that, that is, shit. And, you know, as much as I'm, like, touting Blackie and how Marilyn, Ma- how Brian Warner from Akron and, 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 you know, Rob Zombie took from him, hey, that was that was a very Alice Cooper uh, that was Alice's gimmick, man. Yeah, he was doing like the kids' it. voices. Yeah, yeah I like that show. Like the, the shock, shock rock, shock metal people, children's voices. Using the kids. Yeah, yeah kids are creepy. They love to do it. Troy, Perfect. thank you so much. Uh, once again, 1806 West 5th Avenue in Grandview, uh, owner Troy Stacy. Guys, have you yeah, had fun tonight? Yeah, Has yeah, this yeah. been great? Look, and... Thanks for thanks for letting us geek out. I, I appreciate it immensely. Thank you so much for letting us geek out. I, I would just like to thank each and every one of you for being here, uh, for helping us carry the torch about this kind of music that we have such a passion for, and uh, taking the time out of your day, man, just to show up and be a part of this community that we're building. We are craft and vinyl. Uh, we are craft beer. Vinyl records and uh, music creation all under one roof. And, uh, again, just so thankful each of you gave us a little bit of time out of your day to be a part of it. Thank you very much. Right on. Thank you, Troy. So, uh, listen, Troy, for guys, and listen, it's you know what I'm talking about. We have a simpatico here for sure. Guys our age. Listen, there's there's a scene in Columbus. I, I, I hope to, I hope to help build that, dude. Here's, or there, there's a add scene some construct under with it. with cats, with guys and girls yeah. our age. Thank you so much thank for you, for having a craft and vinyl in in a time where, hey man, we're almost fifty here, and I appreciate what you're doing. So thank you so much. Give it up for thank Troy. Thank you, man. Thanks, Troy. Thank you guys for being here.
I could probably get I could probably get Don Dockin to do a, an acoustic set here. We Can, know him. Can, yeah, we know we Don know, Dockin. Yeah. He smokes like he a smokes 1940s like movie star. Yeah, yeah. So there you go, gang. For producer Greg Hansberry, yeah. I thank you, Doug Blessing, so much. You, Check out his band, Rock House. They're an awesome band, an awesome band. I am Arch Madness, and this has been Final Analysis. Stay frosty, kids. Raised you on Hank Williams Sr. Yeah, and you're listening. And you're to this? Le- you're, this dude is drinking blood out of a skull.